HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Now available online through Larder Meat Company. Learn more at hearstranch.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're spotlighting the people, dishes, and ingredients decolonizing food. We're looking at our Thanksgiving plates and beyond to explore efforts to reclaim food sovereignty in Native American culture, the African diaspora, and Puerto Rico. I believe that oyster dressing is like the consummate side dish for an amazing fried turkey. What we're doing there is just working the land and we're laughing and we're creating a space for joy. And it's in that that healing occurs for us. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed down on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. In this podcast, I'll share that inheritance with you. So if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land, or a seasoned farmer or cook, join our conversation. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and many of you are probably busy preparing a feast for your family or friends. Today, I'll help you think about what to do with all of that food once the Thanksgiving meal is over. Because we know Thanksgiving leftovers is a thing. See, let's start with the menu. I will tell you what I'm planning for Thanksgiving, and then we're going to dive into the plans for what I'm going to create with my leftovers. Plus, later on in the episode, we'll talk about reducing waste more generally. I'll share some strategies I use here at Gilyard Farms and suggest some that you can practice too. So this is what I'm eating for Thanksgiving. I am going to have uh, fresh cranberries, uh, which we're going to make a really nice cranberry jelly with. Um, my mom doesn't want, uh, does not want a fried turkey this year. Who knew? Um, she wants a roasted turkey, so I will roast the turkey off. We're going to have ham. I'm going to roast off some chicken, um, and those are just going to be some leg and thighs, uh, macaroni and cheese, oyster dressing for sure. And our family, we like to do a low country boil. Now, for those of you that don't know what a low country boil is, that is a big old giant pot put over some propane heat 
with uh, andouille sausage and shrimp and corn and potatoes and carrots. Um, and we'll probably even throw some sweet potatoes over in there and even some eggs over in there. We boil all that up um, and then just toss it out on some paper um, and just dig right in. So that's kind of like our pre-Thanksgiving. So like while we're waiting for the Thanksgiving dinner, we're doing that. That low country boil is kind of like our lunchy kind of eating. So, you know, after I have all of this cooked up, you know, the next day is that day that you're sitting back going, oh, MG, this is a lot of food. And so what we're going to do this year is we're going to take our turkey and carve it all the way down. We're going to take our cranberries um, that we happen to make and we're going to combine it uh, with a little bit of mayo, um, a little bit of lemon and lime citrus, um, some zest. And we're going to make ourselves a cranberry mayo and we're going to eat turkey sandwiches for the weekend. Um, the ham. Now, normally we don't have a lot of ham left over, but what we do have left over, I like to make a 15 bean soup. Um, you can get a 15 bean soup uh, mixture from just about any grocery store. You just need to go down the aisle where the dried beans are and just grab yourself some of those that 15 bean and cook it down. Now, for those of you that might happen to be vegetarian, um, I know that I said I made some collard greens. So for your 15 bean soup, you could actually take the stock from the collard greens, you know, that pot liquor to actually cook your 15 bean soup with um, along with some vegetable stock. Oh, my God. We talk about super over the top. Yummy. Now, my roasted chicken. Now, so a lot of times I we usually roast some chicken off because we always have somebody in the family that really doesn't like turkey, blah, blah, blah. So what we decide to do is we take the chicken thighs and legs and we roast them off. Really, really nice. We marinate them the night before, roast them the day of. Well, the next day, I pull all of that chicken meat off of the bone and I make a base for chicken salad with it. So I'll do a little bit of chopped up onion, a little chopped up celery. Um, I also like a little bit of cashews and also a little bit of apple in there. So what I do is the only thing I'll chop up is just the uh, just the cashews and toss it in there. That's just my base. And then depending on how much of it I have, I'll take some of it and freeze because that's my base. And some of it I'll make a chicken salad with which you can actually do one of two things. You can either put it on a sandwich and eat it or put it on some really nice mixed greens and eat it as a traditional salad. Um, my collards, I mean, I can eat on collards forever. So, I mean, it's a great way to get green vegetables into your system. Um, and I actually make a mess of greens, so it's not just collards, it's like collards, turnips, kale. It's all of that mixed in there together. And also collards, freeze very well um and then i you know my mac and cheese i mean i we really never have any mac and cheese left over because everybody comes with that tupperware or some tin foil and they tend to take that home with them um oyster dressing well you know let me tell you oyster dressing i even like with a fried egg on the top the next morning so kind of like a like you take a piece of it out heat it up really really hot in the cast iron um like almost make like a little patty of it and then uh, put a fried egg over the top of it. Oh, my God. It's like uh, seafood 
uh, breakfast casserole. And um, I, I actually have to thank my uh, one of my producers, uh, Kat Johnson, for giving me the idea because she started talking to me about breakfast casseroles. And I was just thinking about one of the ways I really like to eat oyster dressing the next day. Um, my low country boil. Well, shoot, I really have never seen us ever have any low country boil left over. However, all of the shells and the corn cobs and all of that that are left over, we put into our compost. So when I come back after the break, we'll start talking about some strategies for our best practices for one, not to have too much waste, and then two, what to do with this waste. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch. The Hearst family has raised cattle on California's central coast since 1865. Today, Hearst Ranch's signature product is their 100% grass-fed, completely hormone and antibiotic-free beef. The Hearst Ranches have always treated their animals with great care. Their cattle live a completely natural existence as foragers and grazers. Well-managed grazing fertilizes the land naturally, sustains a seasonal rhythm to the ranches, and produces a remarkable meat whose flavor is the authentic taste of the American West. Hearst Ranch beef is available seasonally, May through August, in select whole food markets throughout California, and all year round at their retail locations in San Simeon and Paso Robles. And now, HRN listeners in Arizona, Nevada, and California can get Hearst Ranch beef delivered right to their door through Larder Meat Company. Go to lardermeatco.com and shop the 100% grass-fed box to stock your freezer with Hearst Ranch beef. That's L-A-R-D-E-R, meatco.com. Learn more about the storied history, farming practices, and conservation efforts of Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Welcome back to Jupiter's Almanac. Let's dive into prepping, planning, and making sure we can cut down on waste. So what does prep day look like here at Gilliard Farms? Well, I have a feeling that this year is going to be just a tad bit different because over the years, you know, well, I mean, when I say we have family, we have like 20, 30 people out here at Gilliard Farms um, between uh, uh, immediate family and uh, their significant and then just friends of the family. We also are kind of like, we're like that family that likes to like, you know, I'm going to stop at such and such house to eat some of this, and I'm going to stop at such and such house to eat some of that. And normally everybody just finishes up um, here at the farm, um, lots of space and all that kind of stuff. This year, it'd probably be a little bit smaller because of, you know, C-19 and all of that kind of good stuff but or bad stuff. Um, but uh, we're still going to, you know, sit down and prepare. So let's say we do have a smaller gathering so when i think about how to go shopping and what i need to do i think about roughly i think about like catering right so and fortunately i'm a, I'm a chef so i'm trying not to buy more food than i need but have enough food so that there's leftovers because you know thanksgiving leftovers are what the bomb so um, I always think about a quarter pound of turkey per person um, is actually what ends up being eaten around here. Um, when it comes to something like a low country boil or something like that, oh, I always look at a pound, pound and a half of shrimp. The way my family eats shrimp and oysters, it, 
Yeah, it's a it's a thing. We're on the coast of Georgia. It's I mean, why not eat what is in abundance? Right. Um, But not overeat. Um, And then, you know, when it comes to prepping now, when it comes to prep, I don't like to really cook, do a lot of cooking on Thanksgiving. One, because when you're in the kitchen all day, the food just it just doesn't have that same thing anymore. So what I like to do is I like to start on Monday. So on Monday, I start prepping any cakes, pies, any of that stuff, because, you know, though, you know, that's 350 degrees, 400 degrees. You need to have all of those things in and out and ready to go. So I usually take Monday and Tuesday to bake off anything that I need to bake off. Also on Monday, I usually drop um, my turkey into the brine and brine it for about 48 hours. So Monday and Tuesday, it'll be in the brine. Um, because it's already thawed out all weekend. And then Wednesday, I actually roast off the turkey. Um, so it's already done, ready to go. And I'm more like heating it up instead of like trying to cook it off. Hams. Now, I love hams. The thing I like about hams is um, back in the day, my father used to make a Coca-Cola ham. And basically, um, you start the ham off in the oven and you start basting it with the Coca-Cola until it gets this nice kind of like caramel crackle kind of thing on the outside oh my god it's like doing the pineapple juice or any of the others but that that coca-cola ham used to just be the bomb and i think i'm gonna do a coca-cola ham with the smoked ham that i did earlier this year um so most of my prep is done the only thing i really cook the day of is the macaroni and cheese and the collard greens so macaroni and cheese i actually the night the night before I prep everything, get everything in the casserole pan. So all I really have to do is top it off with cheese and slide it in the oven. Now, one of the things that I always do, though, is when I pull that macaroni and cheese out of the refrigerator, um, I give it about 30, 40 minutes to get to room temperature so that I'm not putting it into the oven and putting that extra hard push on it, trying to get it up to where it's all bubbly and cheesy smell. Oh, my God. I know y'all like that smacking sound, right? Um, so yeah. And then I try to my best also to always do at least three cheeses, um, inside of my macaroni and cheese, at least three. Um, I am, I have a strong affinity to goat cheese. I love goat cheese. So goat cheese, a really good sharp cheddar. And I also like to make when I'm making, uh, my bechamel, my nice white sauce for everything. I like to put, um, some cheeses in it also. Um, and I usually like, um, something like a machago or something like that. So I like three cheeses in it. One of my cheeses are going to go directly into the bechamel, the white sauce that I make that's going to get poured over everything. And then my other cheeses are just folded into it. Um, so that it it just, it just, it's amazing when you cut into a piece of macaroni and cheese and see a piece of cheese just kind of like oozing out. It's just, oh my goodness, I can't wait. Cannot wait. All that being said, now how do I keep down, you know, the waste, right? And so I I talked just a moment ago by about thinking about a quarter pound of turkey per person and then the amount of shrimp that we eat. Well, I do that with each set of things that I'm making so that we don't have too much. I hate throwing away massive amounts of food. Um, I, I really think it's, uh, it's, it's just uncalled for, and there are way too many people that, that are hungry um, in this world, and I really believe that we should, you know, uh, cook what we need and, and, and not uh, do as much waste. 
However, whatever I do have that may be left over, can't be used, can't be eaten, cannot be repurposed, um, we put over into our compost. So we give back to Mother Nature what Mother Nature gives us. Now, what's really interesting is with the shrimp shells, the corn cobs, um, anything that's left over from that low country boil that goes in there. I usually put all of that in with my red wigglers, which is a worm, um, and my European crawlers, another worm. Um, and then anything that might have uh, a bone or some fat or some meat to it or whatever, I put that over in with my black soldier flies. Now, they will eat everything they they have they do not discriminate as a matter of fact these are the same uh types of uh like little larvae that uh taxidermy use to clean off bones of things um and if you leave the bone in there long enough they'll they'll devour the bone also so yeah i mean you know trying to make sure you don't have waste i think if you have and are able to do some small composting um, at your house or at your farm or even composting from uh, from a standpoint of collecting what you have from your restaurant um, and then giving it to a farmer that is composting, I think is very important to make sure that we're not putting too much in the landfills this year. Um, we got enough problems going on with stuff like C-19 and all of those kind of things. We don't need to uh, keep pushing on uh, just tearing up the ozone and uh, just ten up the earth period well you know this is all about being thankful today um and you know one of the things that i i've, I've also always tried to make sure that i i gave lots of uh honor to is the fact that uh we are on a land that was not ours um and that the only reason that uh that, that we are here is is um is because of the work that was done way prior to uh to all of us being here and so we need to thank all of our ancestors for where we are today um and for where we're trying to go tomorrow everybody have a great thanksgiving thanks for listening please subscribe to jupiter's almanac wherever you get your podcast our executive producer is kat johnson jupiter's almanac is also produced by dylan hoyer our audio engineer is matt patterson our theme song was composed by the Joy Drops. Jupiter's Almanac is powered by a simple cast. Jupiter's Almanac is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And we want to hear from you. Send us questions, any questions in writing or as voice memos that we can help answer on the air at Jupiter's Almanac at heritageradionetwork.org. 